<laughs> well, this morning, as you can see, we're going to be taking an old term of the Lord's Supper, and we call, call it also communion. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, is communion. I want to talk to you about what God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to do for each and every one of us on Calvary. So this morning in our text, we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32. It says this, For I pass unto you what I receive from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took up the cup after, of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an arrangement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread or drinking the cup. For when you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if you examine yourself... We would not be judged by, the, by God in this way. Yet we are judged by the Lord. We are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the, world, with the world. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, as we listen to your word, we hear your word. Lord, help us to understand your word. Lord God, also help us to put it in our hearts and live your word. And let us be able to give that word out to others in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, there are two ordinances that we, we recognize here at the church. And the ordinance actually means a law or something that is prescribed. In other words, we recognize two rituals, water baptism and also Holy Communion. Now, if you remember, we had... Uh, communion back when we had Life Day a few weeks ago. And what that basically represents is this, that those who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior are publicly announcing their commitment to Jesus Christ. They go up, they go down into the water, and then come up with new life. That's what we, we do when we have communion, I mean, we have water baptism. Now, as far as the Lord's Supper is concerned, on the other hand, we have, it's symbolic and it calls us to the, remind us that we have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and also the promise of his soon return. When we take the bread and the cup, we're remembering the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ died for each and every one of us. He was buried and rose again. The communion is that symbol for eternal work that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, did for each one of us. Now, this morning, we're going to do something that, we've been, that the church has been doing for over 2,000 years. We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to remember what he did. We're going to remember why he did it and how it affects each and every one of us today.
More than anything else, communion is actually a remembrance. That's why Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. First of all, it's a time of commemoration. To commemorate actually means to honor a memory or of somebody or something. In other words, serving as a memorial. Now, if you remember last week, we had a memorial day for the country here. And we honored those who had fallen and gave their ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us so we could have freedom. Well, today we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us as a memorial. It's a time of commemorating his sufferings. You'll see in your text in verses 24 and 25, they talk about his broken body and the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. Now, both of these vivid phrases actually bring to mind suffering and also pain. When we take these elements of communion, we remember that Jesus Christ suffered horribly for us in our sins. He, Jesus suffered in the hands of man. We see that in Isaiah 52. And Jesus also suffered at the hands of God himself in Isaiah 53. The cross and all that he had done, he suffered for each and every one of us. Also, we commemorate his sacrifices. The fact that Jesus was in a human body speaks of the sacrifices that he had made to redeem us. God became man and he lived and died in the world to redeem the lost. We see this in John 1.14. Also, in 2.5, we see that in John. But he suffered shame. He suffered rejection and poverty, pain, and even death. In fact, the whole goal of his being here on earth was to go to the cross for each and every one of us to die for our sins. He took it upon himself. Before he was crucified, Jesus took 39 lashes on his back. I don't know if you remember the, the, the movie. What's the name of that movie? The Passion of the Christ, yes. What a, what a gruesome thing it was, if you remember that, what God did for us. Those, those uh, whips that was, had lead, uh, razor-sharp type of lead that literally cut his back to pieces. And that's for our healing. When we take communion today, I believe people will be healed because of the fact that they believe that Jesus did for them on, the, on that whipping post, took that pain upon him, that 39 lashes. So a question is, what is, is actually crucifixion? Well, the medical doctor provides that. I was reading from C. Truman Davis, and this is what he had to say. Now, it's a little graphic, so bear with me a little bit. So the cross was placed on the ground, and the exhausted man quickly threw backwards his shoulders against the wood. The, the shoulder actually feel for the depression on his wrists, that he would drive heavy square-rotted nails through that. Now, a lot of times we think that he hits here because it talked about piercing his hands, but in reality, if he did that, it would rip. So anyhow, if you take and put your finger down through and you'll find a depression right there. That's what they're saying they put the nails through. 
Quickly he moved to the other side and did the exact same thing. Being careful not to uh, have the arms too tight, but allow some flex and movement. The cross was then lifted into place, and the left foot was pressed against the right foot, and both feet were extended and the toes downward. In doing that, they drove the, drove the nails through both feet of the arches into the wood and making sure that there's a flex in the knees also. And then they would say he was crucified. And slowly he sagged down with more weight on the nails and the wrist. Excruciating fiery pains went through his fingers, up through his arms, into his brain. It also went into uh, the wrist by putting the pressure on the median nerves. Now he pushes himself upward to avoid the stretching torment. And he places a full weight on the nails through his feet. Again, he feels a searing agony of pain tearing through the nerves between, the, his, between his, his bones and in his feet. The arms become fatigued and cramps start to sweep in throughout the muscles, nodding in deep, deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With the cramps, he comes an inability to push himself upward to get a little bit of air. The air can be drawn into the lungs, but they couldn't be ex uh, exhaled. He fights to raise himself up again just to get a, a breath of air. Carbon finally, finally carbon dioxide builds up in his lungs, in the bloodstream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmatically, He's able to push himself up and exhale and giving himself some needed oxygen. It's a gruesome, gruesome thing. Hours of limitless pain. Cycles of twisting and joint-wrenching cramps. Intermittent partial asphyxiation was happening there. Searing pain from his lacerated back as he's going up and down against that, that wood. Another agony starts and begins. Deep, deep pain in his chest as a pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress his heart. And it's almost over. The loss of tissue fluids reached a critical level in his body. Compressed heart struggling even to pump heavy slush of, of his blood through his tissues. The tortured lungs and the made a frantic effort to gasp for small gulps of air. He can feel the chill of death coming through his tissues. He has finally allowed his body to die. And the scripture says in Mark 15, 24, four words, and they crucified him. Simple words. And we, we think about, when we, we talk about this communion, we just think, okay, they crucified Jesus. But now we know they crucified him. When we receive the bread and the juice today, remember what Jesus Christ did for you. Because I'm going to remember what he did for me also. We commemorate his sufferings and his sacrifice for us. Jesus did all this because he loves us so much. But that's not the end. No, it's, it's not the end. Because there's a celebration to come. You see, it's time to celebrate. Why are we celebrating? 
because we celebrate that we know that Jesus Christ had done that for us. Celebrate word means to mark a special day of, a, of, a, of a, actually occasion of ceremonies and festivals. We celebrate this time. Uh, last, actually yesterday, after um, a season of soccer, there was a celebration at my, my son's home for the, the soccer team. They celebrated their, their season. But we're here to celebrate Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Celebration uh, comes actually from the Latin word to attend a feast. And what are we here to do? We're attending a feast. We're attending a feast to celebrate Jesus Christ. There, there should be heartfelt thankfulness and joy and happiness for every believer that knows Jesus Christ for this day. We celebrate his compassion. Notice the words for you in verse 24 in our text. These words remind us that Jesus did what he did and he suffered what he suffered for us because he loved us so much. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did all that for us. Also, he had no sin. He had no sin of his own. He could have been out of here, not even worrying about it, but he didn't do that. He willingly took our sins upon himself. All of them. Every one of the sins that we have in the future too. And he's delivered us from that sin. He took our payment upon himself that we didn't have to do it. We celebrate his conquest. In Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 6, it says, Early in the morning, the new day was dawning, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled away the stone, and sat on it. His face shone with lightning, and the clothing was as a white as snow. The guards shook with fear as they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come see where the body is lying. You see, any man could have died but it took a God-man to die and rise again on the third day, guaranteeing eternal life for each and every one of us. Thank God that he lives. Those who believe in him will also live. We see this in Revelation 1.18 and 1 Corinthians 15.20. We also need to celebrate his coming. So we're clearly told that when we observe communion, and that's what we're going to do today, We are telling the world that Jesus is coming back again. Verse 26 talks about that. His promise to us in John 14, 3, and the promise that was reaffirmed by Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it also was reaffirmed by Jesus himself in his closing remarks in Revelation. Revelation 22, 20 says this, He who is faithful witness to all these things say, Yes, I am coming soon. 
See, if you've been looking at the news or anything of that type and just being in this world, you see the signs, the craziness that's going on in the world, the alignment of, of nations coming together, the technology that is unbelievable that's happening with, with the, what we could have with the little chips that we put in our bodies. Jesus is coming soon, folks. You know, I've, I've, I've been hearing this for years. I mean, I'm 64 years old, and I can remember as a kid, they're telling me, Jesus is coming soon, you better be ready. And it was never like what it is today. Today I can say, Jesus is coming soon, folks. Things are all lined up, it's ready to go. He's coming. We celebrate His coming. Thank God for that. It's a time of contemplation. See, the communion service is also not only a commemoration and a celebration, but is also a time of contemplation. That word basically means to think about something seriously at length. So in other words, we need to really think about our lives and what Jesus has done for us. When I think of Jesus and his suffering, I want to worship him. When I think of all the things we're here to do is to celebrate, I want to shout his praises for what he's done for us. But when I understand the message we see in verses 27 through 32, 32 in our text, I understand that communion is a very serious thing to do. It's a time to reflect on the condition of our own hearts in our own lives. To be sure that we are where we need to be in Christ Jesus so we can participate in, in, in communion. We must contemplate our salvation. In spite of our sins and our failures, Paul's writing to the people that are saved in this text. Paul uses the words us and we. He's talking about himself and also fellow believers. He's giving the details of celebration, commemoration, only to believers. So we believe here in this church that if you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that you have the opportunity to come at the table and take communion. We must, we must contemplate our sanctification also. Notice in verse 23, there's a word there that kind of bothers me. And that word there is unworthily. See, we are told if we take the bread and the cup unworthily, we bring the wrath of God on ourselves by not reverencing the body of Christ. In fact, the phrase, without honoring the body of Christ, has the idea of treating Jesus like those were mocking him when he was on, on that cross 2,000 years ago. It means that he's treating their, his broken body and his shed blood as if it was nothing. In other words, we're saying, we're just taking communion as a flippant attitude. But in reality, Jesus wants us to realize we can't do that that way. The Lord is telling us to examine ourselves. We need to be sure we're clean before the Lord, before we come to his table. We need to partake of this table with an unclean heart. There's going to be problems. There's consequences if you do that. In verse 30, it bears that out. It says, there are some that are sick. 
because of that. There are some that actually died because of that. In verse 32, it says, all are chastened or ashamed because of that. So what do we do? How do we get over that? Well, verse 31 tells us. It says we are to examine ourselves before we come to the altar and confess and repent. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he, meaning Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're about ready to come to the table this morning. We're almost ready to commemorate and celebrate the wonderful life of Jesus Christ. His death, resurrection, and soon return. But before we do that, we need to contemplate what God has done in our own hearts, in our lives. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you to examine your own hearts this morning. I want you to look deep within yourself and see just where you stand with God. There's some little questions that I want you to answer this morning. Am I really saved? Do I know Christ as my personal Savior? Am I clean today before God? Have all my sins been confessed? Am I ready to partake this morning with a focused heart? Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die for each and every one of us. But not just being there, not just staying there, but raising on that third day that we may have eternal life with you, a relationship with you. Is there anyone here this morning as our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed, could say, Pastor Mike, I have never really given my life to Christ and I want to do that this morning. Just raise your hand, we're going to pray for you. Anyone at all this morning? Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Okay, let's pray this together. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe that you died and rose again. I confess my sins and I ask Lord God that you would come into my heart and I may live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord God, we pray right now as we are examining our own hearts today for communion, that Lord God, that we would confess any sins that we have and give them to you, that we have a pure heart as we come to your table. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take the elements together in just a moment. Uh, one, one thing I, I read when I read that, um, that First Corinthians passage, I read, when you take the elements, when you take the bread and the wine, you are proclaiming or announcing the Lord's death until he comes. And I've always been so confused about that. I, one time I asked my, my, in college, I asked one of my professors, my theology professor, I said, what does it mean to announce the Lord's death? What does that even mean? 
And he said basically just what Pastor Mike said. He said, you know, when you're announcing the Lord's death, that word death is representing, re- representing his death, his burial, and resurrection. So when we announce the Lord's death, we're actually being, we're making the connection between what God has done and what he has done for all humanity. And we're announcing that over ourselves. And so today, I don't want for myself and I don't want for you communion to just be another ritual, another thing that we've done. There's so many times, even as we hear that, that passage of, um, you know, confess any sins or anything like that. So many times we, we, we think about that and we're like, okay, God, forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Amen. And now, now I can take communion. Great. But communion is really a moment where we can be intimate with Jesus. And I explained to the teenagers, intimacy is into me see. So intimacy with Jesus is, is saying, God, search my heart. If there's anything that I know is not right, reveal it to me so I can confess it. Even if it's not coming to my mind right now, search me. Like just like King David said in the Psalms, search my heart, O God. This is a moment of intimacy with, with Jesus. And it's not a moment where you could just be like, int, like intimacy with God and relationship with God is a little different. You can have a relationship with God, but not be intimate with Jesus. My question with you is right now is, when was the last time you're intimate with Jesus? When was the last time that you spent time in saying, God, look into my heart. What is it in me that you want to reveal to me? What changes do I need to make? And as the, as the board members would get into place to prepare the elements today, um, my question to you is just, are you able to be intimate with Jesus in this moment? Because this really communion is just, a, is just a symbol of intimacy with God. So right now, I'll just ask you to take a moment. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to take a moment just to be intimate with God. Ask him, God, reveal to me anything that's not of you right now. Jesus, we just thank you for your sacrifice. God, we want to be worthy of taking that today. And we know the gravity of this, of this celebration. Reveal to us right now, what is it in our hearts? What sin is in our lives? What behavior patterns are not of you that you want to reveal to us right now? God, reveal that to us. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you can enter into our lives and we can have intimacy with you. God, we thank you that when we are intimate with you, it's you, you're the one who's, who lives then in us. You're the one who lives through us. So God, as we take communion today, I pray that we remember the sacrifice that you have made for us. And God, the fact that you get to be in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand up and come now. You can come through the, the, the aisles that have the doors in them. And then when you grab the elements, you can go outside or through the middle. Why don't you come at this time?
strength indeed is small. Sound of weakness, watch and pray. Bible says that the Apostle Paul said um, in 
the same way that God has given to me, I pass on to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you that your brokenness means our wholeness. God, we thank you that you were broken and you were bruised and you were crushed and you were tortured when we were the ones who deserved it. You did it for us. So God, I thank you that we can partake in your victory, that we can be a part of your wholeness because of because of you dying on the cross for us. We thank you for your brokenness. That means our wholeness. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread together. The Bible says, in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant in me. Do this whenever you eat and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we just thank you that your blood was spilled on our behalf. God, that your blood is our healing. And not only that, we thank you that when we accept you in our hearts, it's your blood that runs through our veins. Lord, it's you on the inside of us. It's your spirit living in us. So Jesus, we celebrate that today and we remember that you are so good, that you would die for us just to have a relationship with us, just so that you could be with us, your children. God, we thank you that you are so good and that your power can live on the inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's take the cup together. God, we thank you for your body and your blood broken and spilled for us. Thank you that it's your sacrifice that makes us whole. It's your brokenness that makes us whole. God, we thank you that you're with us. God, we thank you that you're for us. We thank you that we can remember this today and celebrate the fact that it's because of you that we can have real life. It's because of you, you dying on the cross, your death, your burial, and your resurrection that we can have life in you. That life in you isn't just, um, isn't just you giving us uh, the free pass to heaven, but it's not only that, but it means intimacy with our creator. Intimacy with the one who's created everything. So Jesus, I thank you that you are so good that you would give us that opportunity today we celebrate the fact that you are here with us and you live on the inside of us. God, remind us today and throughout our lives that it's you on the inside of us. Not us, but it's you. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. We're going to take some time right now and celebrate that. So if, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing to Jesus in this place.
Jesus, we just thank you today that we can be a part of your mission on this earth. We can be in relationship with you. God, we can have intimacy with our creator. I thank you that through Jesus, you made a way that we can have unhindered relationship with you. God, I pray that today we would live in that reality knowing that it's you on the inside of us, knowing that there is no separation between God and man through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you so much. Lord, I I pray that we would remember that today and this week. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a part of your move, your mission, your kingdom here on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, be blessed this week. Um, You can leave at this time. We're going to have a prayer team up here. And you can come if you have anything to pray for at all. Feel free to come up and be prayed for.